This is the Wealthy Retailer Podcast with your host, Dan Holman. Every episode, Dan talks with a variety of retail experts, owners, managers, and so much more, sharing their expertise, their experiences, and the retail topics that matter to you, the independent retailer. The Wealthy Retailer Podcast is brought to you by Canadian Retail Solutions. Learn more at retailbycrs.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. My guest today um, in my household, known as our oldest friend, uh, <laughs> you see him, <laughs> you'll get that. Mike Keating is a vice president with Colliers International. Uh, Mike's specialty really is on the industrial side. But I asked Mike, I invited Mike to the podcast to really give us some deeper perspective in what we're seeing in the retail, uh, or pardon me, in the real estate landscape today. Lots of retailers are out there looking for expansion, some for contraction. And I thought, what a great perspective my friend Mike would bring to the podcast. And Mike, uh, you know, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. This is like your first podcast. That is correct. You you like turned me on to podcasts, but here the king of Kensington's never been invited. So I feel honored that I get to... (laughs) To, to pop that uh, cherry for you and, and get you on here on the podcast. Thanks for joining us, man. I really appreciate it. Well, it might not be my most um, comfortable spot, but you know, the, the deal is when Dan Holman asks you to do something, it's, it's really hard to say no, especially if you're in, a, in the same community. Uh, Dan, you do yeah. so much in our community with the uh, hospital foundation, rotary and everything else. You've been such a good resource for our team. Um, here I am. Hopefully Here I you can are. contribute. Yeah. And I know you will, Mike. Listen, Mike brings, mm. you know, 30 plus years of experience in dealing in what I like to think of as very slippery arenas, you know, between landlord um, and tenant, whether buying or leasing space. So he's going to share some great perspective with us. Um, and retailers, you know, as you, as you come up with questions, just fire them off to Dan at thewealthyretailer.com. I'll connect you with that um, real estate expert. And, and we're going to, Mike, we're going to debunk this myth that that re- real estate agents are bad guys today. We're going <laughs> to okay. correct that in the world. <laughs> so, I, yeah. yeah, Mike, you know, we have this retail landscape today that in some cases is expanding or maybe even better to say exploding. And then we have another segment that might be shifting you know, downsizing. We're definitely seeing, you know, retailers need a, a larger format for fulfillment um, as they transition. And so the first question that I think I'm, I'm faced with when I chat with my retailers is, do I need an agent? Do I need to be represented? What say you? Well, I could put it this way. If, if I was on, if it was me and knowing what I know, even if I had my 30 plus close to 40 years of experience and I was in a retail or any business, I would put an agent between me and the owner. And it's, it's just that it's, it's a, it's a complicated field. And, you know, I mean, going back to just, you know, what is an agent and an agent is someone who is, is hired to speak or act for the client. And so I think it's really important to find 
find out who that that agent that you're dealing with is he your agent or is he the owner of the building's agent? He's is he the landlord's agent, and you need to find that out. And it's a little bit confusing in our world because typically the retailer or the tenant does not pay the agent, right. um, not always. But and so usually, you know, the thinking goes: who's ever paying the agent, that's who he's most loyal to, and and so. That has changed over time, and so we we now have, you know, there's pressure for landlords to be represented by an agent and the tenant to be represented by an agent, but um, it's it's a little bit tricky, and and so I just think that it's important for the tenant to to create a relationship with an agent and know that that agent is going to do their very best to put you in the best light and and um, and represent you um, fairly with the with the landlord and and so finding that agent is not easy and and you said we're going to dispel the myth that all agents are bad uh, I I can't help you with that I, I I've been around this for a long time I can I love this business I love the competitiveness of it but um, there's certainly you know you're looking for the uh, exception. You're, you're looking, you right. know, if you want to be successful in anything you do, you want, you don't want just the rule of, you know, the general, the average, you want the exception, you want the best. And so that takes some time. And when you find one, I suggest you, you, um, you hang on to them. You make, you make them your friend and, and they, right. even if you don't need them for another five or 10 years, they can be an excellent source of information. They can guide you. They can help you. They can, they, they are the canary in, in the uh, in the coal mine for, you know, they see things coming down the road, will help you respond. And and they're going to be friends with you because you're a business person that is has potential to give back to them as well. And, right. and so it's a two-way street. And I think that that's important for us, for everyone to recognize that we live in this circle. And most of us you know, our circle of influence isn't significantly greater than 100 or 150 people. And if you bring someone inside your circle, you're really now seeing their circle. And that's how we expand our circles of influence. It's, it's becoming friendly with someone that's a professional. You know, I would have always said um, there are rare, rare circumstances that I would say to one of my clients or a retailer, now, you don't need to worry about an agent. You can do this yourself. But it is so rare. I feel like you need to have that expert. It's like me getting on Wikipedia or, or WebMD and diagnosing, you know, this, this mole on my neck. That's not, my, that's not what I do, you know. And to your point, Mike, I think that, you know, first off, I'm going to say this for our listeners. Um, you know, I, I believe so much in Mike and not just because we've become really close friends you know, I make light of him being my oldest friend, but he's, he's truly one of my best friends. Um, it is because of his commitment. And I do deals or, or have done deals with Mike in, real, in the real estate world and leaned heavily on his guidance, not because I thought Mike was going to make money or save me money, but because I knew that he would make sure that my interests were looked after. And I think that we make mistakes sometimes of picking up the phone and calling our landlord you know, and crying the blues or, um, or saying, Hey, you know, is that space next door going to be available? 
and it maybe sets us in the wrong place on the playing court. Does that make sense? It does. And I, and I think a common um, mistake that tenants make is that there's layers, there's layers of, of ownership and, mm. and, the, and a smart, sharp broker agent is, is going to, like, you know, a lot of times a tenant will think that the property manager is the landlord. Right. And the, the property manager, we need them. They're important people. They're the people that you, you converse with uh, monthly or when you have problems, you're talking with them. But, you know, something, something that, you know, a quote, I can't remember exactly who said it, but that I just always liked when it comes to negotiation is, is, is that you should, you should never allow a person to take, to say no to you if they also don't have the power to say yes. And property managers do not have the power to say yes. Right. They, they have to go to another layer. And, and when I started in this business, at least half, maybe more than half of my clients, clients in this term being the owners of the properties, were individuals. And over time, that has changed. And so it's kind of rare to have an individual as your uh, a local regional owner of your property. More often than not, mm -hmm. it's an institution. So you have the agent. You have the property manager. You might have two agents. Then you have the property manager. Then you have an asset manager. And then you have the actual <laughs> owner of the property who actually can, 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 can make life easier or more difficult for you. Right. Um, and so a good agent is going to help you navigate through that and, and get you to the, the person that can say yes. Right. Um, and if, if I can just keep going on that, for some reason, agents forever have always had a, uh, a, a, a reluctance to put the tenant and the landlord in the same room across from a table from each other. And, and the, the, if there's another agent involved, it's even more so. And you, nobody likes to give up that control. We want to keep that, you know, that's always been the case. If you have an agent, and that's usually in my thinking that's usually a sign of insecurity with the agent. He's insecure of, of, of the relationships that he has with, with the other agent or with the owner of the property. Um, and he just is trying to trying to protect himself a bit or herself. Right. So I, I've always enjoyed good relationships. I've worked at them. And, and I just think if I was a tenant, there is no way I'm going to go into at least for five or 10 years or longer and not have seen the whites of the eyes of that landlord. I want to sit, that's an interview going both ways though. It's a double-edged sword. Right. Um, you know, he might find some things or she might find some things that he doesn't like about you as a tenant either that, you, you know, but generally the tenant is going to be able to sell the story of who we are and why they, the landlord should be interested in us as being their tenant. He's going to be able to tell that story a lot better than, than me or another agent. So. How important is telling my story? Okay, so let's just use a real live example. So last year we go from owning a building to yeah. leasing a space and building out a space. And one of the things that you did was said, hey, Dan, let's sit down with the owner. Let's sit down with Dale. Let's have a beer and let's talk. And even when it came to negotiating the lease, you know, it wasn't going back and forth between lawyers. 
it was, let's just get on a call here. And unfortunately through COVID, it wasn't the let's get in person. We jumped on a Zoom call or a Teams meeting and we worked through that. So, So as I'm going forward, you know, how important is it for me to be able to sell my why to the landlord? I think it, I think it is really important. Um, you need a, it, like the landlords typically enter every negotiation with a tenant thinking the worst. They think that this tenant is never going to make it. And unfortunately, retail is, is, has an even higher mortality rate than, than lots right. of other sectors of, of, of the market. So, so they're going into it sort of from a negative point of view, they're going to play hard to get, you know, it's, it's, nobody likes these failures. It, it, it costs money and it costs time. So, so if, if, if um, I can't, I probably can't convince the owner, I can do a pretty good job maybe of convincing that owner, especially if I've had a relationship with this tenant, this is not my first deal with this tenant, I can really tell the story. Whereas if it's a brand new relationship, and I I really don't know a lot about the tenant, um, it's just another, it's just an, an, an another potential problem about to happen. Right. And, you know, so even like I just had a deal just just the other day uh, with a landlord who I know is the very best landlord for tenants. I have I just love putting tenants with this guy because over the 30 years I've been working with him, he has proven time and time again that he is going to be loyal. He is caring. He's going to look after his tenants. And, and actually, as a broker, I'm saying, would you cut these guys loose? They haven't paid rent for five months. But <laughs> I want to release this space, but he won't let them go like because he's invested in them and he and he cares about them and he gets to know them. But when I take a tenant to him day one, and you may even figure out who I'm talking to, he talking about he he plays hard to get. He plays like he doesn't care. There's no emotion in the deal. And he that's that's the way it's going to be. And so um, so that's part of the relationship with the tenant as well. I mean, with your agent as well, is that you, the tenant, you, you know, is never going to see the other side of that, of that, you know, that person, if there isn't someone like me that can say, my experience tells me you'll be well served to, to, to be in this fellow's building. Right. So, you know, it's, yeah, I don't know if that answers the question, but that, yeah, I, I think it is, I think it's very important. Yeah. And I guess I would say, you know, we, we as, as tenants or as prospective tenants are sometimes a bit guarded about what we, what we're doing, you know, our, our intention, our financial, you know, positioning, whether stability or instability, we're always a bit guarded. And I think if I'm listening to you, you're saying you don't need to be. If you're, you've got to put all your cards on the table. You're selling as much about who and why you are as you are your idea going forward. And if that landlord believes in you, he stands up for you. You know, he's he's not looking to throw you under the bus. I mean, in this example, somebody's not paying rent. You want to release the space. That's your job. You know, that's that's how you put food on the table. But the landlord is saying, "Hold on, stand down." Yeah. You know, this this business needs some time to. 
you know, realign, got rally, whatever it is. And, and, you know, yeah. I mean, usually, you know, if things go according to plan and the way we always expect them to do, you know, you, you negotiate the lease, you sign it off, you put it in your drawer, you don't look at it again until your renewal comes up in five or 10 years. Right. And the only time you bring it out is if the proverbial shit hits the fan. And right. It just, that seems to happen way more often than it used to. And I, maybe it's just right. because COVID is so fresh in our minds, whatever, but things, things happen. And, 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 you know, uh, people often have to make a U-turn they weren't expecting to. And, and, right. and so you, you need, you need, you need to, you know, you're not necessarily pulling that lease out and going, you know, looking for ins and outs and stuff but you need a landlord you can sit down with and you're not going to rehash the lease. You're just going to talk in terms of common sense and, right. and, and mutual interest. Right. And so I guess, you know, thinking about this, this bullshit that COVID has created, I mean, you and I can rewind the clock and go back to April and May and June of 2020 and say, you know, I mean, I was really hard on landlords that were kicking doors in and saying, you're paying your rent. I don't care. Come hell or high water. You're paying your rent. Um, And I really felt like that became an us and them. And I can tell you that early in, you know, late in, in that mid to late 2020, it feel, it felt very much like us and them. And now in the last 12 months, it, it it has started to feel much more like we're in this together. And that Mm -hmm. might be, you know, because we truly are all feeling the impacts of it. But did you see that, that landlords started to shift their perception, perspective, their willingness to do whatever they had to do to help their tenants pay rent? Yeah. Uh, to, yeah. For the most part, yes. But it landlords did use uh, this crisis as a as a, an opportunity to cull the herd maybe a little yes. bit too. And, and so, so who, you know, the, you know, certain tenants and it's always the tenants that, it can, that can afford to pay the most, the tenants that, you know, the best tenants that get the best deals and get the, 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 right. the attention. And so you deserve that. Mm. And, but it's, you know, you, you, um, the tenants that throughout their term, their relationship with their landlord have, have always communicated with their landlord. And I think it's really important, you know, just relationship wise that, that the people that are going to be important to you and your business is, is don't just call them to complain, like call them with some, call them to, you know, like tell your property manager every once in a while, phone them because it, 99% 99% of their calls are people complaining about something. Phone them and say, hey, great job. This is great. You know, uh, you know, I love our landscaping this year, whatever. You know, take them out for lunch. Do something so that they will answer your phone the next time when you actually do have a problem. And so landlords are the, you know, whether it's managers or the owners of the buildings, if, if there is good communication in both in good times and bad times, um, you stand a much better chance of getting a better shake when, mm-hmm. when things, when things go a little awry. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, everybody has a, a, a bit of an ego too. And, and landlords love to be able to, everybody involved in this deal loves to be able to take some 
some recognition or some ownership for your success as well. So don't right. forget to bring them in. Don't be afraid that I don't want to show the landlord that I'm doing really well because come renewal time, he's just going to he's just going to hit me harder with the the, the right. lease renewal rate or whatever. You've got an agent in between you still that'll help you to make sure that that doesn't happen and that you know that you're protected and that it is going to be a fair market rate regardless of whether you've had great success or not. So, you know, let let the people let the people in in that chain um you know right. be involved in your success. Have you seen that mistake made where I have as a tenant a direct relationship with my landlord, I get down, you know, to the second or third term in a lease with someone and I'm paying way more than market or way less yeah. than market. Does that happen? Yeah, it does. It does happen. It's not as often as we think. We during the lease negotiations, we fight about those clauses a lot. Um, but but uh, in my in my career, I've only been called in on from uh, on an arbitration point of view for a lease renewal uh, you know, three times. Yeah. And and so we generally can get that resolved, but there is no question that there are there are landlords that that are going to take are going to try hard to take advantage of that situation, and but there's also landlords that are going to um, let let it slide, and and so it, it becomes a shock quite often when a tenant has should be paying more. But they're not for one reason or another. They're still and they're below the market, significantly below the market. And sooner or later, that catches up. And so if you're enjoying that, make sure you keep it in the back of your mind. And, and, and again, having having lunch with your broker a couple of times a year, you're, you're going to be able to talk about that. And so you can be prepared that someday there may be a shock and your rate just might go from ten dollars to sixteen dollars or, or, or whatever the number might be. Um, that landlord may very well sell the property. The new sheriff comes into town and says, Hey, I bought this property because there's a whole bunch of upside on this rent roll because this last landlord just wasn't working it. It wasn't, wasn't diligent in their renewals along the way. So it, you know, it it doesn't mean you phone up the landlord and say, (laughs) Hey, I don't think you're charging me enough, but you, you, you plan for it and you, and you, see it coming because too often in this business every it's a, it's i just find more often than not it's last minute right and, and so and that's not the time the wealthy retailer podcast is brought to you by canadian retail solutions learn more at retailbycrs.com right and i i, I think i will echo the fact that you know, I, I need to be close to my agent always, because if I'm someone, you know, who relies on, you know, the Collier's mid-year, you know, retail update, and they're going to give me, you know, what market rates are, and it's just not the same, you know, across Canada as it is in Edmonton. Edmonton's different than Calgary. Calgary's different than Vancouver. Vancouver's different than Toronto. And yet we get this big re- retail report that, you know, right. I read diligently. I go through it and look for the highlights. I try to pull out the positives, maybe, sure. you know, bury some negatives that someone might see in that. But I go through and read this report and I'm looking at, 
you know, some doom and gloom today, but really positive outlook in 23. But that's not the same across the country. It's you know, not we're the same using across one brushstroke across the city. You might be, it's, yeah, it's, right. It's hugely right. like look at the downtown core today compared right. to the suburbs or, you know, the southeast right. and to the northwest. So, uh, yeah, it, it's. Um, and so, what we think might be market rate, if I get on my best friend Google and say, you know, what's the market rate for this many square feet in this? I'm not getting an accurate number. I'm getting Correct. a very brush stroke. And so I have to come to you and say, you know, look, this is what we're looking at. This is what we're thinking. Tell me, am I in the right, you know, postal code here? Right. Am I, am I talking about the right numbers? Right. I think that's another uh, area that, that is, is, um, is overlooked. Is it, what is the real rate? What, right. what is the rate? And, and people get hung up on the rate but there's so much more to it and, yeah. and people like to talk. And so your friend down the street just negotiated, negotiated their lease. And they're telling you at the golf course that, yeah, I stuck it to that landlord. I got it for this and this and this. And so now you go to your landlord and say, Hey, you know, and there's so much more to it. You know, there's, there's operating costs. There's a condition of the building. There's who's paying for what repairs, uh, you know, where the mechanical is at just the landlord's general attitude about things. And, and so um, those are things that, that don't get included in those reports. Right. And so, but as a tenant, you're writing one check a month yes. and that, and, and sometimes, you, you know, you, I mean, you don't break it down. This is my net rent. This is my gross rent. You know, you know, right. utilities are becoming more and more of an issue now. So, I just, I just think, you know, that's something that is over, that it is overlooked a, a fair amount, and it's important to, to, to dig down into that. And personally, I think I can sell the idea that the right landlord or a good landlord, that might be worth fifty cents a square foot. It might be worth more than that. Right. And and, and I've seen buildings where operating costs are, are are low, but I would steer my tenant to a building that has a much higher operating cost, but you actually get your money's worth and the snow money's, is, yeah. is removed and the maintenance is looked after. And um, so, I mean, but you don't know that if you're just going fresh into a building or just looking at it and off yeah. the brochure or, or that report. And, and so I'm hearing you to say, pay a lot less attention to the square foot rate, even though, you know, retail leasing is, forever and a day been built off of that. You're saying, hang on a second, let's just back it up and look at the check that you're writing. You're probably writing, as you said, 12 or 13 checks a year. You know, you're writing right. your monthly rent check and once a year you're going to write an over or under, maybe you're getting a credit, maybe you're going to pay a little more on some, right. you know, crazy operating costs that, you know, we got eight feet of snow instead of four feet of snow, whatever it is. Sure. Um, but you're advocating to look at, hey, what's the expense going to be? Not what's the square foot rate. Yeah, I mean, within reason. I mean, you right. you can you can you have to be in that area area code before you even start the conversation. I mean, yes, because yeah, right. I mean, the, okay, good segue. Red, let's but, let's talk about area codes. So, you know, and I'm going to ask you to put a retail a bit of a retail hat on, although it it fits across multiple verticals. Location, location, location. You know, I'm someone that is this great advocate that location is less important today than it has ever been. We have 
not just a bit of a shift to e-com. I mean, I'm a, I'm a bit of a naysayer still on the e-commerce world in most apparel-based retail. We still need to have, you know, that tactile environment. But I think I can bring people to a space that, that perhaps costs me a little less money um, in occupancy and I pay a little more in advertising to get them there. Are right. you seeing a shift with your tenants um, or pardon me, with your clients, both, both landlord and tenant, that location is becoming less significant? It is. Um, yeah, I am seeing that. And for a couple, a couple of different reasons. One of the reasons that I don't, you know, I think this is going to stick for a while because uh, I've, I've come across this a few, you know, in this last year, more than I ever have before. But smaller tenants are starting to realize that I need, it's not just in time inventory anymore. It's just in case inventory. And so they need more space. They, you know, they, you, you need more space. And so, but they, it doesn't make sense to be paying, paying retail rates for warehouse space. Right. But you, you need them both. So now you need a hybrid, you need, and it's much more efficient to have everything under one roof for sure. And right. so with the, with the advent of, of, of the, the media today and social media, it, there, you know, you, you know, so many businesses are both now, right. You know, they, they are, they are, I'm, I mean, I'm not telling you anything you, you don't know, but you know, so many, I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know the percentages you, you might, but I, I walk into businesses and, and, you know, I'm, I'm hearing that, you know, it's like 50, 50 they, but right. uh, on all, online. And so you need a, you need a building that lends it, that leads, leads a little bit more towards industrial light industrial. Um, if you can get the, you know, the, the frontage space, so you'll pay a little bit of a premium. It'll certainly be right. less per square footage than what your typical retail is going to be, but um, you know, especially bigger ticket items, um, right. you know, it, it, it's, so it's going there and, 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 and industrial landlords, have picked up on this and they are, they're marketing that. So they're realizing that properties that happen to have a little bit of exposure, uh, you know, they, they are, they are looking for tenants that, that are uh, hybrid tenants, not just industrial. And they'll push their other industrial tenants another block off. Right. And so you're definitely seeing landlords, you know, I'm going to say this, they're going to take a little more risk now to bring some retail in because they know that retail is becoming a bit of a hybrid from what it has been in the past. And certainly, Mike, we're not going to, I believe the internet's here to stay. Um, I think we can, we can agree. It's not going anywhere. Right. (laughs) I think e-commerce is only going to continue its expansion, but it can't happen without brick and mortar, brick and mortar retail it is still the place that we capture market share. Right. Right. It is becoming yeah. a marketing medium. It is that it is about delivering an experience. And if I'm going to invest, um, you know, in delivering some ex- experiential retail, I've got to spend some mm-hmm. dollars in that, in my tenant improvements. Right. And so being in a, in a little less expensive shell makes, makes pretty good sense to me. If I'm going to mm-hmm. beef up, you know, my, my interior. 
And you feel like landlords are certainly more open and industrial light industrial landlords are more open to seeing a retail supported tenant. Correct. Yeah. Good. They are. That's good to hear. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I just could say, I mean, you still, even if the lease rate goes down at the rate again, but now you're taught, you, you know, you're not going to get, if you're a 1500 square foot retail tenant and you want a little bit of extra space for, for warehousing space, you're still, now you're a 2,500 square foot, 3000 square foot yeah. tenant, maybe. Um, so, you know, those types of buildings aren't as common. So it's, it's, that's, that's where the challenge is, right. is that you've got to go big. And, and so, you know, like I would say, you know, the, the newer buildings that are going up today, you know, nobody is, you know, they're building some condos for sale, but generally they're building buildings that minimum, very minimum 5,000, but yet generally it's 10,000 square feet and up. Right. So that makes, that's a challenge to, to get out and find that space that we're talking about. But landlords will adapt to that and, and, um, but it, it's just not there yet. Right. Okay. So let's just talk for a second um, about that work that happens inside your space as a tenant, whether we think about it as, you know, landlords work or tenants work or tenant improvements in retail, we spend money in our interior space constantly. And is that on the tenant only? Is it a shared thing? Should I go into a, into a negotiation thinking my landlord's paying for my entire improvement or I need to have some capital to, to, to get this space done. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Landlords generally are looking at what, you know, they, they, they want to be involved in generic improvements. They want, they, they spend in that first five years of a new tenant's life or in a new building. I mean, they are, they are doing better than breaking even, or they wouldn't do it, but really they're all about, in five years from now, I've amortized the cost of those improvements and the next right. tenant coming in, I don't have to spend nearly as much money. I can just do a shave and a haircut, change a few things around, and I'm going to come out ahead. But but retail is so often it's it's very specific and mm-hmm. and landlords aren't going to get are going to be reluctant to get involved with that unless it's longer term leases and and uh, and the covenant is is there, or mm-hmm. we have some sort of a guarantee, but um, yeah. So I mean that that's a challenge, and and maybe maybe that's going to change too. If if that because because that decision not to be involved in those improvements was made by the fact. Okay, I'll let this retailer into this industrial building today, but. Um, I doubt if there'll be another retailer to follow follow if they fail or or they move on. And so, right. but now they may start thinking, okay, you know, maybe this is the way it's going to be. It's a good chance if this retailer outgrows the space, moves on, there'll be another retailer to move in. And some of those those special uh, uh, improvements will be uh, relevant. Right. And so, in your in your experience. Um, do you see more failure or more I've outgrown the space, which for the landlord is effectively the same thing. You know, if I've invested money in building out a space, whether you fail or you outgrow me, I'm still stuck with a building that you wanted, not I wanted. Right. And so which is it? Are we seeing more 
we're, I mean, I'm going to say today we're probably seeing as much I'm outgrowing as I am failing. Um, mm-hmm. Is that historically what you've seen? Um, in retail, historically, no. No. But, but today, yes. Yeah. And yeah. so those dollars that I'm investing in building out that, that hybrid space, I need to come armed with that. Or is it a way, is there ways to, um, you know, load that up in my lease rates and have the landlord pay for it and me pay the landlord back over the term of my lease? Um, well, there is ways to do that, but again, it depends on the covenant. It depends on the, on the strength of the landlord, you know, you know, landlords, they're not, I mean, again, that's part of the agent's job is your, is your advisor, is your consultant is to, is to tell you maybe what's really behind that landlord's attitude throughout mm. this negotiation. I mean, there's a lot of landlords that are just kind of hanging on as well. They got right. bankers knocking on their doors or they've got right. pressure from Toronto or, or whatever. And so, so, you know, there is um, sometimes they come across, you know, they're not going to admit, they're never going to tell the tenant that, yeah, it's a little tight. Uh, you know, they don't, they want you to think there is, they're the rock right. of Gibraltar. Why else would you enter into their building if you thought it was shaky? No. And I think that that's a really valid point. I, I <laughs> Landlords aren't any different than any other entrepreneur. We're all 200 right. bucks from living on the goddamn street. Um, right. And we have this, this notion, misguided notion that landlords are swimming in cash. Correct. And, you know, just not accurate. And uh, listen, we, I know that from sitting on committees that I sit on in our city, you know, where taxes are and, and what the cost of ownership really is. Um, you know, and maybe hence why we're in a lease instead of buying another building to go and work out of, you know, I understand that cost of ownership. And maybe that's a misnomer that's out there that landlords are swimming in cash. These are the wealthiest people in our community. It's just not true. They are all like us, 200 bucks from living on the street. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're, I mean, and we're talking in, in generalities here again, of course we we are back to those institutional landlords. it, It may be a different, a different story. Right. Um, right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's part of that whole picture we talked about those institutional buildings quite often are going to be higher operating costs because, you know, they've right. got layers and, and, and they, and they will spend more often they'll spend the money foolishly and, and agree to build improvements that they shouldn't have built. And now right. they pass that on or, or whatever. So it's, it's um, yeah, it's you, it's the whole picture again, for yeah. sure. And I, I don't and I don't know. I guess if it's me, if all things are being equal, I'm probably going to try to do a deal with a a local regional owner. Owner. Than than the 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 large institution. Although you know my my biggest clients are institutions, but but mm-hmm. I. I it's just, it's almost like, you know, I've heard you say time again, and lots of your clients, I'm sure, say the same thing is there's something, there's something that feels good about shopping local, right. sourcing, sourcing your products or sourcing your building. If, if you can, if you can uh, support local, I, I, I don't think that hurts. And I, I guess, Mike, that maybe speaks to part of, you know, who you are as a person that you are still more about community and relationship and and 
you know, when I have advice, when I need advice, you're the guy I call and you're not there with your hand out. You know, you're there with your hand up and saying, no, Dan, I think this is a, this is a better decision. I think this is a better avenue to look at. And as we went through the, the experience of looking at different spaces, you know, you were very quick to point out this, this, this guy's in our community, you know, this is a local guy. I mean, you're going to see him around the corner all the time and be able to have a relationship that gets us through the hard times as, as well as it gets us through celebrating the good times. So yeah, I I'm with you on that. I, and and everybody hates, everybody hates to move and, you know, there's lots of <laughs> lots of brain damage in moving. Right. And so as often as often as there's a problem because of bad times, it probably more often I've seen it that the problems come about in good times, that you've outgrown the space. You need more space. Yeah. And, and if you've got the right relationship with that landlord, he can do some jiggling and moving some people around or doing whatever he can to try and keep you as a tenant. And, and sometimes it's just impossible. It's not going to work. But again, that gets back to your agent. If they, if they can look in their crystal ball and say, there's a good chance that Dan's going to need more space in 10 years, we should, we should increase the odds that he's going to be able to have that without making a wholesale move in 10 years. Right, right. You know, maybe it's in the same building, but maybe it's not go haul in the wall and take the bay next door yeah. or whatever. That's important. Yeah. And I think today it's important for us to recognize that we can look very differently in three years than we look today. It was never, it wasn't that way always, you know, we haven't seen, especially on the retail front, what we're seeing this year, the clients that are experiencing explosive growth, you know, are in very different places than they were just two years ago. And, and they are still living in a risk riddled world and looking at space that I need today, you know, isn't going to satisfy, you know, another double in my revenue two years from now or three years from now. Right. So while I think growth in the past, we've been able to say, Hey, in five or 10 years, he's going to need more space. I think now it's more common to say in two years, three years, four years, you know, we're, we're going to need to help them grow. And I, you have to have a good relationship with both, I mean, first and foremost, your agent, your your partner in this. I I do believe that you're an ally. Um, you know, you're you can be a bit of a sounding board. You can be the voice of reason, um, but you can also be the person that that is out there in front of me with their shield, saying, "Here, let me protect you from some of this." And I can see a little bit further out than you because I'm disconnected. Right. I have an objective yeah. view, right? Which yeah, you know, for me, dispels the myth of of you know. Mike Keating, the he's a he's a real estate agent. No, man, he's he's your friend. He's the guy that you maybe want to have in your corner when it comes time to look at your deal. So, um, listen, I I I know you're on the back nine and and probably not looking for a whole slot of retailers calling you, but you have a team that you um, mm-hmm. are on there. And so, if we have retailers or or other businesses that are listening and they have questions. What's the best way for them to, to ask those questions? How do they reach out to you? Yeah, reach out to me at mike.keating at, at colliers.com. And, and uh, you'll make sure that they're I'll, in the right I'll, hands. I'll move them into the right spot if it's not something that, that works, uh, that, yeah. I can, that I can do for them. I, I will, um, I'll put them in touch with the right people, that's for sure. And I'll keep an eye mm-hmm. on it. 
Yeah. Mike, I got to say, man, I, um, I, we could probably go on for another half an hour. I love listening to your, your, uh, your, your experience, your advice, your wisdom. Um, and I know that our listeners will have appreciated it. Uh, listeners, I am going to make sure that this podcast um, and all the information that we've talked about today is available in our weekly newsletter. Head over to retailbycrs.com. Uh, sign up for that weekly newsletter. If you've got questions, you can email mike.keating at Collier's um, or you can, of course, email me, Dan, at thewealthyretailer.com. Mike, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I, I really do appreciate it, my friend. It's always a pleasure, Dan. Anytime. All right. All right. Cheers. Thanks. Happy retailing, everyone.